Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello and welcome to the Soccer Speakeasy. Today is the 16th of September, a Wednesday, 2020. I'm Mike A-Race with the excellent crew here. Jacob Myers, our fine uh, Columbus crew beat writer, and Kyle Robertson at K-Rob Photo, most famously. Let's talk some soccer, gentlemen. Uh, the crew is coming off a 2-2 two two draw uh, at Chicago from the Soldier Field. Um, after giving up two goals in its first 10 games, uh, the crew gave up two goals in the first 14 minutes or so uh, of the game in Chicago. Their defense looked, uh, how shall we say, you have a comparison, guys? I, I haven't thought of a, anything analogous. They, they were porous. A lot of space there. And you knew it was an aberration just because they played uh, such consistently excellent defense all year with 10 shutouts. Then they came back and uh, kind of dominated over the last, oh, 50 to 60 to 70 minutes of the game. Um, I guess you got to be happy with the tie. Jacob, your thoughts on the game after talking to the coach and uh, the general manager and select players that are uh, made available on a limited time basis without much time to ask any follow-up questions. Well, I didn't talk to Bez for this game, but I thought Caleb Porter's assessment of the game was very accurate. And he started with saying right away, they didn't start the game the right way. It was completely unlike what they had done in the 10 games prior, as you alluded to, Mike. They just simply were extremely flat, easy to break down, a ton of space in the midfield and didn't really push back against Chicago at all. And then Caleb Porter and also... They got, they got some XG going after that. They did. and what No, came, they got lucky. <laughs> well, we'll get to that, Kyle. I agree with that. I think they were fortunate to get away with a point. But like you said, Mike, good to come away with a point. I think it's something that they'll hold their heads high on. But if you're talking about XG, Mike, Chicago had over three XG, which means that the average team based on those chances would have scored three goals or more. So in a way you can look at a Chicago uh, kind of blew the match, which obviously they did, but you're right. Uh, the, the crew created very well. Uh, they, it was clo- It was over two XG for them. If, if you're looking at that, but you know, just in no, general, we're not looking at that. I was kidding. <laughs> Don't talk about XG. Go. It it goes into the whole. It's one stat to look at and compare to the game on a whole. I thought, Ah. I thought it was a good measure of it. Fans want to know is how is Zella Ryan and how is Nagby and what's wrong with them. Um, During the COVID age, there's no information on injuries. Um, They're hiding behind, I presume, the fact that uh, they don't want to share or cannot share uh, private. uh, Basically. Kyle, what's the college version of this? There's a, there's a HIPAA, HIPAA. Right? Yeah. yeah, yeah, HIPAA. There you go. I mean, now they got COVID. There's HIPAA and there's COVID, uh, and they they just say unavailable for play. Um, like, uh, so like, you could have a guy who's uh, sawed in half uh, by accident while falling drunk on the railroad tracks, or he might have a a sprained toe, or he might have COVID, or he might have blown out his shoulder. Um, 
and you don't you don't know which one it is. So anyway, I think what the fans want to know, Jacob, is how is Zellerion and how is Nagby, neither of whom played uh, in Chicago uh, over the weekend. Yeah. So before that game, we knew that Lucas Zellerion was questionable, uh, although we did not get specifics on what the injury was or uh, if shocking. He- or if it's he had, shocking. or if he had trained uh, when, when we had asked about it. Also, Darlington Nagby was a total surprise to us. Uh, he was not listed at all in the injury report and played the game before. But from what Caleb Porter said after the game, is Zellerion had been dealing with a grade one MCL sprain, which doesn't mean there's a tear. So he missed uh, two games now, and Nagby, uh, they what he described him as minor knee knocks, and the, these happened against Philadelphia. It sounds like both could be available, if not should be available, uh, barring any other setbacks for Saturday against Nashville. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. I think you got to factor that in, Kyle. I mean, um, they've been okay without one. They've been okay without the other. They've managed to put down, uh, have the best record in the league um, to this juncture, uh, um, largely without Zellerion. Um, Losing them both is another deal altogether in the midfield, is it not? Yeah, but I mean, you're you're going against the, you know, the fire where, you know, I think uh, the crew, obviously, you know, you want to get the three points and, you know, they're, they should be extremely happy with the draw, but at the same time, you know, it's, uh, you know, they're, they're towards the bottom of the table. Uh, in the Eastern Conference. So, I mean, I think it's, a uh, you know, we've talked about the the depth all year. Um, you know, we thought, you know, I always said from the beginning it was one of the deepest teams they've ever had. And I think they're showing that this year and that they can play, you know, a couple games here and here against lower competition and, and, and still try to get, um, you know, points. But at the end of the day, I think they're very lucky uh, against Chicago uh, well, get, how are they lucky? Because I thought they played very well in the second half. Well, they're, they're two goals. Did you see that Zardes well, one header? One of them was a double header by accident. <laughs> yeah. And then, uh, was it Boateng had the shot? And it, I, and I didn't def- see the second goal. Yeah, it deflected and went right to Zardes, who was like five feet away. He took a touch and hit it uh, left side. I think those are two very lucky goals. Mokhtar had the shot, not Boateng. Oh, yeah. um, then... I agree. Those were lucky goals. Then you had Mensa, who was just headed it right at the goalkeeper at the yeah. at the post, where um, the keeper didn't even have time to react. He was just in the right place, right time. Also, you had Chicago's yeah. Frankowski yeah. literally just kick it right at room where he had eighty percent of the net open. <laughs> I, I think they were fortunate to come away with a draw. But if we're looking big picture of these six games of what they're calling this phase one. They get 11 oh, points. Phase one. It's got a phase there. Everything has a phase now, Mike. Don't phase you know that? Now. I mean, we even have phases for, you know, going back in the building and all that. Um, but 11 points in those six games, and they're still at the top of the table. I think they're walking away with their heads held pretty high. So let's get to the standings, Kyle. The Columbus Crew SC, the CCSC, um, 
Uh, they played. Uh, they have twenty four points. Shield point contenders. One. Pardon? Shield contenders. <laughs> he dropped the shield on us. Oh my god! Uh, you, what was it he said originally? They 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 can win the shield this year. Yeah. When I think, did I, I say that? He refrained from saying that. So they're actually they actually are shield contenders. I guess you know they're in first place with uh, more points than anyone else in the league. Halfway through I guess, the year. Uh, yeah, I think uh, Jacob. Uh, you keep saying it every year, and uh, it, every year I've been here uh, yeah. one and a half Nine years, Mike. Nut, you know, <laughs> so the crew with twenty-four points and uh, eleven games played, seven-one and three is the record. Eighteen goals for four against, plus fourteen. That remains by far the best goal differential uh, in the league. Uh, it's uh, twice as good a differential as the second-place Philadelphia Union, which is plus seven through eleven games. So, crew twenty-four points. Philadelphia Union, 21 points. The FC of the Toronto, 21 points. The SC of the Orlando City, 19 points. Montreal Impact, 16 points. New York City of the FC, 16 points. Uh, New York Red Bulls, definitely plural, 14 points. New England Revolution, 14 points. Nashville SC, 12 points. And the FC of the United Atlanta, 11 points. Those are the 10 teams above the playoff bar, just below DC United with 10 points. And Jacob, the next phase of the schedule has uh, been announced slash released slash unveiled. Yeah, they start up again Saturday at home against Nashville and then play Wednesday the 23rd against Minnesota United, a rematch of the team that knocked them out of the MLS's back tournament. And then at really at Hartford, Connecticut, your old stomping grounds, Mike, Dillon Stadium, that's a retooled uh, Dillon Stadium. That's where my high school team played football. No, no, really. Most, what? Of the, most of the city teams played football, yeah. Were you quarterback? And the freshman team, I was the third-string quarterback. And, uh, <laughs> I was. I was the third-string quarterback on the freshman team. And as I trotted out to take what, the one snap I would have taken all year against Avon, the whistle blew. So I was jogging on the field as, as, the whole, as both teams were jogging off. So that was my quarterback I'm I'm glad we could jog down memory lane with you for that. Well, when, you asked. No, I I, I love you it. Asked, you're going to get an answer. Okay, continue. So did you did stage. you technically play one snap or did no, you get I, No, not there. I did get clothesline any number of times running down the middle on the kicking up kickoff team, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I got some CTE problems ahead of me just just for that one year. Did uh, did they have soccer in your high school then or no? No soccer, no. It was an inner city American school. <laughs> so yeah, they, they finish up Sunday the 27th in this first three games they release against Toronto. And the league, what they say is this allows them to kind of only th- releasing three games to assess some travel guidelines, mostly for those three Canadian teams and, and what they need to do there. So the three Canadian teams are playing um, in the U.S. and, and Toronto is the only one not playing at an MLS field. But Minnesota and Toronto, I mean, you just listed the standings there. Those are two teams that I think we will really get to see, again, just where does this crew team stack up if they're at full health against some of these teams who want to be competing at the top of their conference uh, at season's end. That was a good game the other night with the Sporting Kansas City and the FC of Minnesota, uh, the battle for the top of the standings there out west. Kansas City, 20 points in 11 games. Number two, Seattle, 18 points in 10 games. And then uh, Mini with uh, 
11 games played, 17 points. Guys, real quick, uh, changing gears, we'll grind them a little bit. What do you think of Chicago's new rebranding and the logo? Well, they had some issues like when this logo came out about oh, they got some it was yeah. it, I don't do you remember this at all, Mike? It had something to do with the specific design. It was like a crown and it had something to do, I thought, with like Hispanic gangs in the city and like those colors being um, just identified with with gangs. I, I can't remember exactly what it was, but it was something to do with that. And you they think it went with that one. Right, Kyle? Yeah, <laughs> should have went with the gang one. Yeah, it's exactly the audience, like the Hispanic audience, is what they want to attract into being back at Soldier Field. So I was just kind of baffled that they had stuck with that after pushback. Also, like the colors are just not what it used to be, right? So uh, it, I don't think it's synonymous with if the crew went away from black and gold, but. It's another rebrand that they stuck FC on the FC or SC on the back of it. No creativity. Yeah, I thought I think that it looks like a a simple design, but yet you know sometimes the simple designs kind of fail, and I think that's <laughs> that's what you got there with their you know. I'd like to put look. this out to the listeners and instead of FC or SC. I think there should be another alternative. I'm not sure what it is, but um, Wanderers. Another another two letter. Um, thing that stands for something that's not fc or sc um as creative as you want send your uh, responses to jacob give me your twitter address it's uh at michael a race one oh actually that's that's kind of inactive right now send it to <laughs> at k rob photo <laughs> so any suggestions not an sc not an fc but uh some other some, some other i happening. like um i like wanders like wolverhampton or bolton wanders it's used in some other leagues too that would just be a, a nice addition i think i was thinking of like pac like post apocalyptic city or you know something <laughs> along those lines you can use your imagination okay Jacob, anything new? I've been yammering on here about inconsequential crap. What about uh, stuff that folks want to know? Well, for instance, the uh, status of Zellerion and uh, Nagby, and on from there. What's the latest with the Columbus crew of the SC? So Friday, we're going to be getting a tour of the Performance Center. That should be pretty exciting. It's you know I've wandered over toward the edge of where we can be uh, on the north side of the stadium and just kind of seeing the progress of the Performance Center on the west side of Mafre. And it's going up pretty quickly. I mean, it's an aggressive timeline to get done at the same time of the stadium, but uh, hopefully have something from that. Also, the crew uh, recently hired a vice president of marketing, uh, Patrice Croce, I'm pronouncing that right. Um, that's just a little news item. They also had a new Academy director, uh, that's online as well. We, you know, we haven't had a show since they played home against Cincinnati. So if you, if you want to talk about that at all, which personally I thought was probably their best offensive performance of the season. Uh, but, but then again, defensively, uh, they, they have some fi- things to, to fix from this week. So I don't know how much time you want to spend on that, but I wanted to bring that up. Okay. So all we know, Jacob, is the three games upcoming. That's all we know right now? Correct. Okay. So as Jacob mentioned, the, the, the league did come up and invent some, some more schedule for the league. Um, Saturday, this coming Saturday, the 19th, Nashville will be at the Moffray Stadium on Wednesday. Or should I say SC Nashville or Nashville SC? Kyle, which one do you prefer? <laughs> Nashville FC. 
<laughs> He's going with the F. Uh, Wednesday, the 23rd of, of September, um, Minnesota uh, United FC. It's another FC. At they're all, the they're all FC. At, <laughs> at Moffray Stadium. And then on Sunday, September 27th, it's TOFC. It kind of has the Toronto. The Toronto's arguably um, the best team in the in the East. Uh, and I say arguably because uh, right now the crew has the best record, and you are what your record says you are. But uh, that Toronto team is, is going to be right there going down the stretch per usual. And you know how crew fans love Toronto. So let's throw it to both of you guys. Nice uh, W against Cincinnati prior to the lucky victory in Chicago, quote-unquote lucky. Uh, Jacob, uh, no fans in the stands in, in at Soldier Field. Um, the crew was uh, uh, among the first teams, not the first. There were four or five games prior in MLS, uh, the first league to allow fans into the stadium. There are smatterings here and there in the NFL, including Cleveland and Cincinnati. But how did things go with the 1,500 in the old? director set against the FC of the Cincinnati. Yeah, I spoke to about a dozen fans after that game. And what I took away was primarily it it worked well. Uh, It was more so just compliance with other fans that some fans had an issue with, specifically toward the end of the game, especially when they come over and and sing Wise Men uh, in front of the Nordex and people started to gather outside their seats. Enforcement seemed to be spotty throughout the stadium, although some ushers were doing it very well. I think more in the Nordex where you expect your fans maybe to be more moving around and, and talking to people. What I thought was a little misleading was that they had... 1,500 fans for a almost 20,000 capacity stadium, but they pretty much blocked off the entire upper deck and they blocked off the west side just for uh, families and friends of staff and and players, which is fine if you want to separate them. I think it would just be best, and it seemed like some fans I talked to also thought the upper decks would be open so you could space them out a bit more, but that wasn't the case all in all, the, what I got was between 75 to 90 percent of comp- was the compliance rate that some fans gave, and it got worse toward the end of the game. So honestly, it's probably what we all expected. You weren't going to have 100 percent. I would just remind everyone to go to please, please, please keep wearing a mask and keep your distance from people so we can all enjoy things like going to sporting events again. Are they are playing uh, on having fraternity night at, at Wafray Stadium? No, if I, I'm not aware, but I think I might boycott if they do. I must correct myself. Uh, um, the uh, Toronto game, uh, which is a home Toronto game in, in uh, technically, not technically, actually East Hartford, Connecticut, is at uh, Pratt & Whitney Stadium at Rensselaer Field. Uh, Rensselaer Field is a, a Pratt & Whitney, the, that's an East Hartford that was the stadium built for UConn football when they uh, went big time in football, such as it was in the Big East uh, way back when. Rensselaer, it was built on top of uh, an old airplane uh, landing strip that was used for testing Pratt Whitney engines. So um, that is Sunday, September 27, 2020, uh, in Mrs. A Race's hometown of, of East Hartford, Connecticut. I'm looking forward to that game. Maybe I'll sneak, I'll sneak out to that, you know? <laughs> it's a Sunday game. 7.30. Why do you play at 7.30 on Sunday? All right. Is there anything else you guys want to add? I've covered everything that I've forgotten about on my mental checklist. Do you guys have anything? 
continue just to check out our stuff at um, dispatch.com. All the crew uh, stuff is posted at dispatch.com backslash sports backslash crew. Kyle, how's the shooting going? It's been going good. We've uh, are still in the in the stands, kind of up high a little bit. We're not allowed onto the field yet, and I, actually, we probably won't be on the field the rest of the year. But uh, uh, we got a couple things worked out, and so I think things are things are looking good, um, as good as they can be. So um, where, I think. Where are you posting? Where are you posting your award winning photos, Kyle? On dispatch.com backslash photos. Okay. With an S. And Jacob, you have a, a conversation coming up that you're going to record and post with the noted author and Man Booker Prize winner who has uh, written a tome about the Save the Crew movement. And he ought to know, who is this and when are you going to sit down and, and talk and uh, what's the deal? Yeah, his name's Pete McGinty. A, I think a good re- he has a good relationship with Alex Fisher and the partnership. And I'll be speaking to him and Morgan Hughes about the Save the Crew book. And it more looks at the, the leadership of Save the Crew and not necessarily the the uh, holders of the keys in the city. Um, it, it just, I would describe it as a history book and it, and it kind of allows you to make your own opinions about what went on behind the scenes in terms of pre-court and Garber's motivations and, and everything we have talked about before. So I'll be sitting down with them and I'll uh, have something posted to the website as well. So Alex is his major source, huh? Well, he's not quoted too much in the book other than the foreword. <laughs> he picked the author but didn't tell him anything, right? god i love america all right i think that's about it for the soccer speakeasy for our fine crew beat writer jacob myers and kyle robertson the award-winning photographer i'm mike a race thanks for joining us guys you want to throw out all your handles again at underscore jc myers and i think next episode or a future episode uh, I'm going to talk with color broadcaster Jordan Angeli, um, so we'll have her on the show. Oh, outstanding. She's, She's been very good. Yeah, yeah. All right, that's it for us. Uh, Patrick Flaherty, our producer, wherever you are, kick us out of here. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.